The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Excited to be recapping a thrilling Thursday night. Okay, You know what? It wasn't that exciting. It was 2017 Texans over the Colts. Uh, simultaneously, as NC State was having its heart ripped out. Fun little night for me. Also took the Texans. Spoiler, they didn't cover because they were favored by three and a half points. And Bill O'Brien is a coward. Frank Reich loves to run the ball. God, they love to run the ball. Um, the under hit, I took the over too. So really good night for me. Really good night. <laughs> but I did get to eat half a payday bar. So uh, that's exciting. Joining me, as they always do on Thursday night, to recap the evening's festivities, the NFL Super Friends, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner. Ryan, things got so ugly that you started drinking. This is the saddest I've ever heard you on a – Pick six podcast super friends intro. You sound like a man who is a state fan. Monday, Philip Rivers. Thursday, <laughs> NC State loses to Georgia Tech. Cannot get bowl eligible. I you will t- wait. Jacoby Brissett. Yep. And Jacoby Brissett. Yes. Bad week. Okay. So fair look, enough. So look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell everybody something right now. This is free money advice. On Saturday, next Saturday, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, NC State is going to play North Carolina. In Raleigh, the line will be around seven points. Take everything you possibly can and put it on Carolina. Trust me when I say this. Is that what you're going to do? Oh, I will be. I will be putting. So you bet against your team. I will max bet Carolina plus the points or minus the points. I will max bet Carolina the money line. And when I'm in that stadium, I'll be max betting Carolina live again over and over and over again. And they will destroy NC State because NC State is not good. Um, So that's that. I'm just telling you. Listen to me now. And do it in a week. Don't forget about it. I'll remind you leading up to the game. You should have said, listen to me now, thank me later. That would have been a nice little catchphrase. Thanks, Ryan. That's great. Uh, so that was, was that the most, it was, it was wild because like there were like moments where I felt that game was going to explode into like this awesome display of points and DeAndre Hopkins catching touchdowns. He had a great night. And yet, John Breach, it was incredibly boring, wasn't it? Yeah, every time that happened, then Frank Neuter would take out the scissors, Frank Reich would take out the scissors and neuter the, neuter the game. <laughs> Frank Neuter. His, his name is not Frank Neuter. Uh, that's what he did. He just would neuter the game and it would tone it down and all excitement would be lost. He would throw it out the window by calling 15 straight run plays. Uh, you know, and you look at the fourth quarter in particular, I'm sure we can all Raz him, have a complaint about the Colts' final drive. But look, you're losing. You have to have a plan B in case you don't score on that drive. So they run a 10-play, 36-yard drive that takes off 4 minutes and 39 seconds. And, hey, you can run it every play. You're going to run the clock down, run 4 minutes and 39 seconds off the clock. What if you don't score, Frank? What's your next plan? Uh 
it's game over. So I don't know why they didn't have more urgency, why they weren't calling a few pass plays. We saw them run a perfect two-minute offense just before halftime. Um, that, that was really – they went no huddle. The Texans couldn't do anything to stop that. So I was just shocked that the Texans don't have a great secondary and the Colts didn't do anything to take advantage of that. And the only time they did, it worked. So I don't know why they got away from that. And obviously, T.Y. Hilton had two huge drops in that game. But I was just surprised the Colts didn't throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I put that loss on Frank Reich. And he, he's obviously done a great job since he's got there. He's done a good job this year, you know, dealing with Andrew Luck's retirement and all this. But, I mean, Breach mentioned that last drive, which we don't need to get into, um, because everyone saw them just run the ball 10 straight times when they were losing. But the end of the half that Breach just mentioned, I thought was wild and kind of flew under the radar. Uh, that was the, the Texans were losing, or sorry, the Colts were losing by three at the time, 10-7. They have the ball at the Houston 30-yard line with 37 seconds left. They only ran one more play. They they had a they had a timeout that they could use to stop the clock, and they ran one play in 37 seconds, which was a 12 yard completion. And then they kicked the field goal. The fact that they did not take a single shot at the end zone, I thought was inexcusable, and that's pretty much like the epitome of how Reich managed this game, which was ultra conservative, which was kind of weird because he's going up against Deshaun Watson. I know they only scored 20 points on them, uh, and as Breach mentioned, he's going against a not good defense that's without JJ Watt. So I, it's kind of befuddling that. He was this conservative. Uh, but I will say, though, I don't think this is kind of how the Colts have played for a lot of this year. We mentioned how every single game except last week against the Jaguars has been decided by one score. Jacoby Brissett entered the game um, averaging only 6.9 yards per attempt, which is the major red flag. They just don't really throw the ball downfield that much. And tonight you look at it, 16 to 25, 129 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt. I mean, this team to me is so boring. I don't want to watch them in primetime again. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Like, if you're saying, who would you rather have in the playoffs? Deshaun Watson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller if he's healthy, or Jacoby Brissett handing the ball off 40 times a game and throwing the ball four yards downfield? I mean, it's not even close. I don't want to see the Colts in primetime again. They, they are so boring. It pissed me off. I don't want to watch this team Jeez. anymore. Uh, just for the record, you wouldn't see them in primetime because there's a 100% chance they would get the 415 Saturday afternoon game <laughs> if they made it to the playoffs. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I was on HQ on Friday, Thursday morning, excuse me, to Brinson because uh, Breach bailed on it and made Brinson have to do it. But I pointed out on that show, if you were awake, you would have heard this breach. I hope I hope that people with authority and power <laughs> and the ability to punish employees at CBS in a fair and legal non-harassing <laughs> I would I would just Hear like this. the record. The- Hear this and realize that John Breach is a bad person who oh, would stop it. really. Let the record show that I live in Central Time, and this HQ video hit was going to be at 7.10 a.m. Brinson and Wilson live in Eastern Time. It is 8.10 a.m. It just made more logistical sense for those two to do it together. Plus, they have good chemistry. They, they hate each other, and that comes off very much more on video than uh, in a podcast. And to be fair, Breach had to get up with his kids and get ready for school. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Have I haven't killed that spider yet. That thing could jump on me in the middle of a video. We don't need that. Oh, yeah. We should talk about the spider later because there were actually comments about it, I think, <laughs> on, the, on the IT. What I was going to say, though, I talked about this with Brinson this morning with our guy Tommy Tran. Uh, without Will Fuller in the lineup, he was hurt in week seven with his hamstring. Deshaun Watson uh, was one of the worst quarterbacks throwing the ball down the field with only uh, Dre Hopkins, which makes sense because he only had really one one wide receiver. Uh, Will Fuller went off. 
when he came back, even though his hamstring didn't look to be 100%. He, it was 100% enough. Seven catches for 140 yards. And every time, the two deep balls, every time it was thrown, I said, there's no way. This is like 10, this yards, 10 yards, this ball is 10 yards overthrown. And Will Fuller would run right, run right underneath it. Excuse me. So, Podcasting uh, while good, drinking. It's hard. Yeah, good to get him back. If he stays healthy, that's obviously a big deal. And um, the Texans are now in the playoffs, and the Colts, luckily for Sean, are on the outside looking in. Well, I don't think that they are in the playoffs. Uh, the Texans are. The Texans are in the playoffs. What are you talking about? Well, it's week 12, for one. In terms of the playoff picture as we sit here. This uh, Texans were already the number six seed anyway. They were in the playoffs coming into this game. Well, they moved it to four. The Colts have dropped out altogether. Right, but you just said the Texans are now in the playoffs. The Texans well, are... actually, right. You got dunked on. That's all I'm saying. Um, this did. was a bigger game for the Texans than the Colts. Yeah, 100%. Because if the Texans lose this game, uh, they fall practically two games behind the Colts with five games left because they would have lost the head-to-head tiebreaker. So the Colts can still make the... – they're only a game back, and they don't have to worry about the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um and your team, Sean, the Raiders. This is, however, teams. unfortunately false. Um, ESPN's FPI, well, actually, uh, had this at 28% playoff leverage for the Texans, 43% for the Colts. Because, you want to know why? The Colts lost to the Raiders head-to-head. That's and the other part of that is that the tiebreaker, if the Colts say the Texans and Colts get in a tie, you go to the third tiebreaker, which is conference record, uh, Texans six and two right now, Colts five and five. So it's almost a hundred percent guarantee the Texans are going to finish with a better AFC record. So now the Colts are just, uh, kind of screwed out of every tiebreaker. Yes. Yeah. They're done. So really, it was a much bigger game for the Colts and they lost it. Here's where it gets interesting is that those of us who took the under on Colts wins at nine, as well as the Colts to win the AFC, uh, title, title now have this beautiful window where they can win 10 games, not win the AFC title. And, uh, make the playoffs and we lose both bets. So it's a reverse window. So we're really excited for that. Um, you've had a bad 2019. Darius Leonard. That, 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 yeah. Just 2019. Darius Leonard said that was a fumble. The ball was out at the end of the play. Did you think, John Breach, that the ball was out on the Deshaun Watson run at the end? First of all, why Bill O'Brien ran Deshaun Watson on a draw at that point is beyond me. He's a, Loves to kill his quarterback. Just dying to hurt his already fragile, already injured. We don't know. Deshaun could have done it on his own. Whoever's decision it was, was an idiotic decision. Do you think that Deshaun constantly is running himself by the goal line? He does. I mean, we saw last week against the Ravens, he just kept running around in circles and took a uh, beat. Designed run. In the, po- in the pocket? Those That's sacks? The Ravens tonight. Oh, um, I don't I'm know. Drinking but, wine before a podcast. You guys are fighting like a married couple tonight. Like, what's going on, guys? Oh, work it out. Good. Work it out off camera, man. We don't need this on the pod. You know, work it out <laughs> in private. Come on, don't subject Breach and I to this. Uh, but what Brinson was saying, and he asked about the fumble, is number one that was 100% a fumble. So what we're setting up here is that the Texans easily could have just run out the clock. They had Deshaun kind of kept the ball, ran outside on a sweep, and uh, fumbled it. Got hit and he fumbled it, and the refs didn't really know what to do on the field. It looked like they were confused about whether or not he fumbled it, and this is also where the mystery eleven seconds disappeared off the clock, which would come into play later. Um, so the refs looked confused. Nobody knew what was going on. Then eventually they pointed that it was still the Texans' ball, and now the officiating crew said after the game that there was no clear recovery, and that's why the Texans got to keep it. But also Darius Leonard, after the game, said, that was a fumble. I had it. 
So he said he made a clear recovery. There was no video angle that they showed on Fox that showed whether or not it was a clear recovery, but they only had one angle of the play. So, you know, there could be like an NFL films camera when they show the, the highlights on Tuesday on Showtime. Like maybe there's an angle there that shows Darius Leonard recovering it. Uh, but it was a pretty crazy situation that all of this happened and the Colts got ripped off out of 11 seconds. And the thing is, if everyone watching the game hadn't been asleep, then there would have been this big uproar. And I swear no one was even complaining about it because no one was either watching or everyone just stopped caring about the they game. Were bored they were to literally bored to death. That game killed 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm trying to like look for quotes from like Colts beat writers and like Texas beat writers. And literally the only thing on my Twitter timeline right now is this stupid cyber truck that Elon Musk unveiled. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right here. Yeah. <laughs> you see this thing? What the hell is this? <laughs> it's like out of Robocop. Breach, thank you for the Darius Leonard quote. You know, I said that five minutes before you did. Um, anyway, uh, did, uh, oh God, uh, I will say this. The, the, this game, look, this game was, I don't understand how this three point game between two, six and four teams in a divisional matchup that was like on primetime island game was so GD boring. It was, un- it was just run, run. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I hope the Texans make the playoffs because I'm going to make a bunch of money betting against him in the first round. I don't care who they're playing. That yeah. dude, has Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, and the, the Colts' secondary is hot trash, and they're either getting wide open. Or, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins could have fair caught his first touchdown pass. He could have thrown his arms up in the air and caught it. He was the only person in the end zone. There, Will Fuller was getting pulled on every time he stru- like went streaking past. They could have gotten a flag or a deep ball any time they wanted. And Bill O'Brien kept running Carlos Hyde into the middle of the line on first down every single first down. And hey, it's let me not- let me ask you this: nuts. So right now it's uh, the third seed. The Texans would host the six seed Raiders. I'll set that line at minus four. Who are you taking? Oh God, I'd take the Texans. I guess so. You can't. You just said you're not taking. No, no, no. You know what? You know what? No, you know what? I love the Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders. The Raiders are great. They got you're being crapped on. You got to take the Raiders. No, I'm not, you- no, I'm not going to let this be an anti-Raiders podcast because people are getting upset about it. We need to at least have a differing viewpoint of the Raiders. Look, do the Raiders have a better quarterback? No. Do they have a, a, a an above-average quarterback? Absolutely. They have a better off. They have a better offense. They have a better offense as a whole for sure. They have a better runoff. John John Gruden. If you put John Gruden on the Texans, they would be cooking with gas. I was going to say real quick on that. Should John Gruden be in the coach of the year conversation? I kind of feel like he's flying under the radar because the Raiders were not supposed to be this good. I know they're overachieving, but that's precisely the point. And he fits the mold for a coach that should win it. By the way, you know who should not be in the award discussion? Heath Cummings told everybody on this podcast to go with Jordan Wilkins instead of Jonathan Williams. Oof. (laughs) Yell. Yikes. That's, that's what most fantasy folks did. I mean, the, the wow. prevailing logic was that Wilkins was back and healthy. He would be the starter and that Williams would be the backup. What, you, you, you knew that wouldn't really be the case, Ryan? No, no. I'm shaking my head like, no, that was a bad call. Oh, yeah. 26 carries, 104 yards, and a rushing touchdown for Williams. Um, 25 passing attempts for Jacoby Brissett, 129 yards. Goodness. I mean, what are we doing here, people? By the way, this game would not have been the most boring game of the year if Miles Garrett hadn't, hadn't tried to crown Mason Rudolph last week. That's the only thing that saved that game last week, the, the last eight yeah, seconds of that game. But um, there was no headhunting this week, and, you know, there we are. Any chance Bill O'Brien gets fired? No, stop it. Why? They're probably going to make the playoffs. They're in first place. If 
if they make the playoffs and lose their first game. No. Didn't he just win a power struggle with the? Yeah, he's the general manager. He appointed himself like a third of the GM position. So Is he firing so. himself? Yeah. If, if they if Debo fed me that question, it was a bad question, Debo. Sorry. Uh, oh, throw a Debo under the bus. Debo yeah, undeletes all those files. Uh, I think Debo actually has a good point. It's like if he loses in the first round again and they gave up all those draft picks, is he going to be under under fire, or will it not matter? Because who's the general manager again? He is. Is he going to have a conversation with himself and say, you need to be better? That's the problem. There's no buffer between the GM and the coach or the GM and the owner. The coach you don't the- say, yeah. <laughs> that is are. a problem. <laughs> it's almost like we were saying this back in the summer. Carlos Hyde ran 16 times for 67 yards. Oh. By the way, Deshaun wasn't really that good in this game. And uh, he, was, he wasn't good last game. He only had one interception. He should have been picked off at least two more times. One was on a fourth down play, so the interception drop pick didn't matter because the Colts got the ball anyways. And the other there one was could have changed the game, Bobby. Yeah, it would have been a. It was he just didn't see the linebacker floating across the middle. And if I can't remember who the linebacker was, but if he catches that, I mean, he could be going a long ways. And that and not to mention Deshaun's first interception is um, gave the Colts their first touchdown because they only had to go like forty yards and they were able to run the ball. 10 out of 11 times on that series, by the way, that scored the touchdown. They ran the ball 10 out of 11 times on like a 45 yard drive. Just terrible. Like, I don't want, I know it worked. I don't want to watch that. Get it out of here. Um, whew, that's, that's rough, Sean. Speaking of terrible though, I'm going to go back to T.Y. Hilton real quick because his two drops both came on third down. The first one came with a minute 26 left in the third quarter. Colts had a third and four at their own 34. This one was the bad one. This was like right in his hands, and he just dropped it. It would have been like a six-yard gain, and Colts keep moving. But instead, they punted it, and then the Texans scored a touchdown on their next drive. Then the Colts got the ball back on their very next possession. Again, it's third and four. This time, the Colts are at their 47-yard line. This is the one where Brissett threw downfield to T.Y. Hilton, and this would have been a difficult catch, but it was in his hands. Jonathan Joseph did not knock it out. Uh, it was just in there, and then he just let it go. I don't know what happened. So those are two huge third-down drops that were very, very costly. And the Colts would have gotten the ball, what, like the 25 or 30-yard line in Houston territory if Hilton had held on to that one. Uh, just so you know, Breach, since you're dunking on Hilton, he said after the game, I let my team down today 100% on me. Uh, now I feel bad. Well, that would think he confirms Breach's assessment. There but it's go. also like if you're so scared to take downfield shots, it just gives you such a fine margin, right? Because suddenly you have to come down with the only two times you throw the ball downfield, and if you don't, then your entire offensive game plan is wrecked. you got to give Hilton more than two opportunities to come down with those catches. You can't you know, throw these five-yard passes to him the entire game and then expect him on the two times you do throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield, he's going to, you know, make the catch. You just got to give him more. There's got to be a higher volume of those passes. I'll say, too, that Jacoby Brissett is, was not right either. He was he had a bad game. He missed a bunch of – Missed Ebron on one open downfield shot yeah, early in the game. Pick up a ton of yardage. I didn't think he really put the ball right where Hilton needed to be. I think he's still banged up with his knee and it's kind of affecting his, his accuracy and his, his throwing motion. Um, the on that last drive, we mentioned it before. It was remarkable because, like, this game is so. This game kicked off at eight twenty, and it's an NFL football game in prime time with a crap ton of commercials. And I'm I've got the NC State game on with the other thing. Like, the, this game moved like blitzed past the state game. There was like a minute left in the in the Colts game. There was like five minutes left in the state game. But 
you were watching the Colts move, and it's like, okay, like they're kind of marching methodically. They're trying to burn some clock. They're moving down the field. And then all of a sudden they're at midfield and they have a third and seven. It's like, well, you've kind of screwed yourself here, Frank. Like, you, like you're going to trust Adam Vinatieri to bang home this, you know, 45, 50 yard field goal. If you, if you even get this third down, it felt like they were just being the, the, the clock management there was surprisingly terrible, especially when you're going up against a guy in Bill O'Brien who, if you tie this game is 100% going to play for overtime. Like, like it felt like you just got to get close enough, like get close enough for a field goal and then start milking the clock. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. No, their final drive, their final drive was, was as their final drive was as if they were winning by three and they didn't realize it. Like, and not to mention, by the way, their final play offensively, they had a fourth and seven. They didn't even throw the ball. I mean, they called the passing play, and Brissett tried to scramble for the first down. You have to throw the ball past the sticks. Well, even they tried the to guys throw it. Open. Just no one was open. Right, but you don't – I don't. I, there was never a point in that scramble where I thought he's going to get this. There were five different drives in this game, three by the Colts, two by the Texans, that resulted in zero uh, – of over three minutes or more that resulted in zero points. That's sort of impressive. Um one of them, by the way, that, that sort of flew under the radar. I thought it was really stupid on Bill O'Brien's part. Uh, he, he went for it on, uh, it, to start the third quarter. He went for it on fourth and short and, and gave up a 34 yard field goal. Why aren't you kicking that field goal there? No, that was, it would have been a 52 yard field goal. It was from the 34 yard line. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been 52. Okay. Right. I was fine with it. All right. That's fine. Why did I, why, I, I don't know. Yeah. You even said in Slack, you're like, WTF, Bob. And I was like, I'm just not going to touch this. Okay. Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Hey, by the way, um, if you remember early in the first half, um, the Texans player, I believe, down the ball like at the half foot line. And there was some conversation about his towel that he was wearing like on his waist. Looked like it maybe touched the, the end line because his, his heels, but his heels were probably okay. two inches inside. Fair play. Our so someone, yes. What's up? MDS pointed out, I believe. I right? know that's MDS's thing. He is he is particular about the details. But someone asked on on uh, Boston Sports HB asked Mike Prayer about this on Twitter. Hey Mike, if a receiver with long hair catches a pass and their hair but not their helmet lands out of bounds first, followed by a knee inbounds, is this a reception? Do you guys want to guess what the answer is to that? I would say he's out of bounds. Yeah, hair's a part of the the body. It's your person. Branson. I mean, out of bounds, sure. Yeah, I think Sean read the tweet. No. But yeah, so no, a hair is considered <laughs> part of the body, but a towel, a, riddle. Is not, a towel is not considered part of the body. So that would not, if the towel was all the way into the end zone, if he had a 10 foot towel on his person and it landed in the end zone, it wouldn't have mattered. Because MBS is wrong in the field of play. Did MBS say for certain that he thought it should be a touchback if that had happened? That was an incredible punt coverage and like he did a great Eight. job of establishing himself back in. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought DeAndre Hopkins, Reminded me because he made he got pushed out and came back and made a great throw and I thought reestablished himself but I guess you can't be the first person to touch it. Um, he played his tail off. Like he's playing yeah. really well and the they're first just out of bounds touchdown. Um, yeah. Excuse me, first out of bounds reception was amazing. Yeah, oh yeah, the one where he, he got the toe drag and like the refs are like, ah, it's incomplete. And Hopkins came back. He's like, no, 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 that that's a catch. Trust me, that is a catch. Um, and of course they ruled it was a catch. All right, uh, and that, that that play actually came on a third down, so it was. Real big. Third and six. And calling out T.Y. Hilton. See what you're doing there. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
quick break and we'll come back and do some more stuff and things. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, while we start to talk, Sean's going to go chug some more bourbon. What do you think about that, Ryan? You think Sean... He's going to chug some bourbon in his kitchen. I apologize that this podcast doesn't have the energy like a normal. Yeah, you're beaten down. End of the week, <sighs> low energy will. I should not have eaten that payday either. I think it made my stomach hurt. Are you kidding me? Payday is totally nuts. It gives you energy. I literally live off of payday's brands. I eat three a day. That, it's not It's not good for your sodium intake, but other than that, <laughs> my God, payday's delicious. Um, yep, confirmed. Sean's got a big old glass of bourbon. He's got a friend coming to town having a party. Anyway, the NFL has upheld Miles Garrett's suspension, reduced Marquis' penalties from three games to two games. And, uh, in the middle of all this, ESPN, Adam Schefter and Josina Anderson reported that Miles Garrett told the NFL at his appeals process that there was a racial slur said to him by Mason Rudolph that led that escalated everything. Um, the NFL decided there's ruled there's been no evidence that Rudolph used a racial slur, and Brian McCarthy said the league looked into it and quote, found no such evidence. Garrett then took to Twitter. Miles Garrett did and said, "I was assured that the hearing was spaced that afforded the opportunity to speak openly and honestly about the incident that led to my suspension. This was not meant for public dissemination, nor was it a convenient attempt to justify my actions or restore my image in the eyes of those I disappointed. I know what I heard." Whether my opponent's comment was born out of frustration or ignorance, I cannot say. But his actions do not excuse my lack of restraint in the moment, and I truly regret this impact that this had on the league, my, the Browns, and our devoted fans. Um, all of Miles, Ru- Miles Rudolph, Mason Rudolph's teammates, your Steelers, your Steelers. I thought Ryan was asleep. Uh, all of Ryan's favorite Steelers came to the defense of Mason Rudolph and said that they heard no such thing. Uh, what was your takeaway from this, Ryan? Well, a couple things. And to uh, Miles' defense, um, the Browns players said they all believed Miles Garrett when they were asked about it on Thursday, but they also said he mentioned nothing about it at any point immediately afterwards. Or it, any time. it is a little odd to not mention it. Until Here's all I will say. It's a, it's a terrible situation either way. If Mason Rudolph said something, that's obviously terrible. If Miles Garrett isn't telling the truth, that's not great either. And um, I don't know. Like if someone called me that, I wouldn't sit on it for three days, you know? It, it, so that's my sort of. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess three days, yeah. Or however long. I mean, that's something, because he was asked after the game, did Mason Rudolph say something? And he said, just watch the tape. I don't know what that means. Um, Freddie Kitchens didn't really have an answer, but in Freddie's defense, he has an answer for nothing. So, um, 
Jerry Dulac tweeted this. He's a Pittsburgh Steelers uh, beat reporter, works for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And this is sort of – this is my question. If Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, um, why did he publicly apologize to Mason Rudolph the day after the game? Like, you know, that's sort of weird. I don't get that. And at no point did the Browns mention it in their public apology where they also, I think, apologized to, to Mason Rudolph. So that's my question. If he said it, that's a horrible thing. Um, as you point out, the Steelers players came to his defense. Um, but yeah, it's, it, so I don't know who's telling the truth, but I'm not going to call anyone a liar, but it, it looks bad for everybody. Well, let me ask you this, Ryan. Literally the next day on Friday, the day after the game, Miles Garrett released another statement where he said, I would like to apologize to Mason Rudolph. If somebody, if somebody called you that word, is there any circumstance where you would directly apologize to them? Brenton, did you go to Nashville? That's literally what Ryan just said. I just said, I just said. Oh, I just wanted a yes or no. You gave a long explanation. I, I didn't feel like you answered the question like directly. I oh, no, I, I agree. Know what your answer yeah, was. That, that's curious. That's right. You don't apologize if someone called you a racial slur, whatever your ethnicity is. I don't think. Um, I, I agree with you. Support everybody. If, if, if what sparked Miles Garrett being angry was a racial slur from Mason Rudolph, you're not just like, uh, you know what? I screwed up. I'm sorry. And then like in a back room, tell Roger Goodell or, or James Thrash or, or whoever, uh, Troy Vincent, whoever else you're meeting with that, you know, that this happened. Um, additionally, there were enough players around there. Like you go back and watch that enough times, there are plenty of players around there where I think they probably would have heard Mason Rudolph say something, right? Not only that, but why wouldn't Miles Garrett? This is just me hypothesizing, not blaming Miles Garrett. But why wouldn't you tell Marquise Pouncey once he quit kicking you and you got up and you're walking off the field? Marquise Pouncey's also black. They could certainly understand uh, as two guys who are black guys. Hey, man, this is what happened as he walked off the field. Or why wouldn't you tell someone on the bench? I mean, that's my question. It looks – it's just weird that you would bring it up, as you point out, to a yeah. bunch of guys in suits. Who you are, would be like – he like you'd be over there like like gesticulating yeah. wildly and being like, he called me, you know, or something. You know what I mean? Something, right? Like you wouldn't just take it on the chin and walk out of the game, I don't think. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, and another – I saw a theory, and I don't remember who said it. Or maybe it was a couple of people. But if you wait a week to do this – you know, Miles Garrett at this point would know whether or not there are any mics in the game. You know, because Ryan's saying, wouldn't he said something to Pouncey, maybe a teammate? But after a few days, you're like, oh, well, no one's mic'd up, so they can't prove this either way. Uh, so it makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, you, and you wouldn't want to make a hypothetically false accusation before you found out whether or not Mason Rudolph was mic'd up. <laughs> that would that would be terrible. Yeah, you right. Make, it would be the. Uh, and he's like, get off me, good sir. You know, it's like, it's like, come on, buddy. Uh, now, it looked like Mason Rudolph called Ogajobi the B word. Oh, uh, they called him the B word, 100%. Yeah, and I mean, no one cares about that unless you're a female. Or he, called, or he called him a branch. <laughs> By the way, the it, funniest sort of funniest mm-hmm. accidentally quote to come out of this is from Sheldon Richardson, who told The Athletic, um, do grab it at my face mask and under, underneath my face mask and grab me in my Johnson and stuff like that and ask if ask it was coming. It's as simple as that. You try to hurt me, I'm hurting you. He said, I have no idea about the racial stuff, but if you grab my face mask and my quote-unquote Johnson, I expect to get your butt kicked. And one other interesting reaction, Baker Mayfield was asked about it on Thursday, and he, according to Jake Trotter for ESPN, Rudolph, or, uh, Baker Mayfield seemed shocked that that word might have been used or that Miles Garrett made that allegation 
and he said it was something he had not had heard at all from anyone on the team. Like it wasn't even a rumor circulating around amongst yeah. teammates in the Browns locker room. It was something that came completely out of nowhere. So, I, I mean, that's another interesting aspect to this story. It certainly is. All right. We are going to answer. Uh, do you, would you, does anybody think that they, the end ruling, Miles Garrett suspended for the entire year, Larry Ogunjobi won game, um, Marquise Pouncey two games, he won't play against the, the, the Browns the next time, and Miles Rudolph, oh, God, God. <laughs> Mason Rudolph getting fined. Does anybody have a problem with the end result, uh, outcome? I think it's, let fine. me, let me ask Breach this, cause he's, on the I hate Mason Rudolph bandwagon. Why has not Mason Rudolph been fined yet? What are we waiting for? I well, I mean, they said over the weekend there was a report that he is going to face a fine, so maybe they will hand that out tomorrow. I think usually it's been no, they hand days. out, but they hand out the fines for the week before on Friday. Um, so this would be. It's been long because it was a Thursday game, but if anybody got fined on Sunday, the fines would be handed out Friday. So I think that's just when they divvy out all the fines. So when people are listening to this podcast, there's a good chance we will know what the Mason Rudolph fine is because all those fines should be handed out at some point on Friday if they stick to what they usually do. I hope it's $7. <laughs> I don't even know what – I guess this goes along to the, the, the chart. I don't know what the chart is for grabbing someone in there, a Johnson. I think they just make it up as they go along. Yeah. Uh, but we already knew that. Okay. We always talk about five star reviews. We love when people leave us nice reviews, funny reviews, questions for the super friends. And, um, so we're going to answer a bunch of five star questions. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read them lately. I read this one. Have you read the one about Prisco and RJ? No. Would you I, like did. I did read this one. Okay. What's that side? Well, I read it on the picks podcast, which you can check out in the feed. Um, so I don't want to double down on it. Uh, do you want me to read it or do you just want to go read it yourselves? I'll read it later if you've already talked about it on the pod. All right, cool. We'll move along. Uh, amazing daily podcast. Yeah. From Eli Zarzecki. Again, he wrote this on Apple Podcasts. You can do it as well. All right. What do you think, Sean? Yes. More valuable, an all pro running back and quarterback combo or an all pro wide receiver and quarterback combo? It's the wide receiver and quarterback. I mean, it's just, it's a passing driven league. And as we saw with like the Texans, for example, on Thursday night, you'd much rather have Watson and Hopkins and get a guy like Carlos Hyde, who no one really wanted. Like the Chiefs right now don't have a running back and they ditched Carlos Hyde over the summer. Um, you'd rather have that than say Hopkins, Saquon, I guess you would say. Sean, and, you can to the and a no name receiver. Exactly. Well, the Cowboys have an elite receiver. Zeke and Dak or Amari and Zach? Amari. Amari. Yeah, yeah. Amari. If you get rid of one player on the Cowboys, Zeke or Amari. Who, I mean, it's a it's not no, even a question. Yeah. You're like, in fact, in fact, we're thrilled to get rid of Zeke, dump his contract, and plug our guy Tony Pollard in here, who actually looks as good as Jerry Jones talked about in the offseason. Uh, Breach, any issues with that? Nope. I 100% agree with Sean, even though I'm only going to 99% agree because I don't want 100% agree with Sean on anything. Well, also, well, another quick example is that the Saints were without Kamara for a while, um, and, and their offense was running just fine because they had Michael Thomas still there. Um, and uh, why am I – who's the backup running back? Latavius Murray was – was look at his like stats. He was a fantasy monster in that sand. So, like, the Saints' offense worked just fine without Kamara. What about this? I'll ask Brinson this just so – John has time to think about it. When Christian McCaffrey went out, he ran for a long touchdown against the Jaguars. So, Ryan Finley and Tyler Boyd or Ryan Finley and Joe Mixon? 
That's, that's a fantastic question. And uh, in your in your example, I, I would go Joe, Joe Mixon, Mixon and, and Tyler Boyd. Right, exactly. <laughs> you don't need Ryan Finley. You run the single wing. Go with those two guys. Oh, you made the joke. No, but I, honestly, I think I would have Joe Mixon over Tyler Boyd in that in that situation. No. Brinson, we saw your NC State quarterbacks doo doo the bed for the past five days. Yeah. We know what's, what's going to happen on Sunday with Ryan Finley. They're going to score zero points. They're going to get shut out. They're going to go to zero and eleven, the worst start in franchise history. Not even worth watching. No more NC State okay. quarterbacks. No more it's NC State team, quarterbacks. Bro. It's your kick, team. Kick them all out of the NFL. Of no more allowed. John Breach. Question about John Breach is the name of this review. Please, 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 please tell the story of how John Breach locked himself in a cafeteria. Mike C, 6464 via Apple Podcast. Uh, Sean or John, uh, Ryan, who would like to tell the story? First, I would say if you go look back, probably go check my Twitter feed because I tweet less than these three, these three guys. Late August, August 26th or 27th, we all tweeted a picture, tweeted a picture of John stuck in the cafeteria. Uh, we were trying to get out of there. There it is right there. What's the date? August 23rd. John, you tell the story how you got stuck in there. We don't no, know how I, he got stuck. <laughs> I want to preface the story by I didn't want these tweets out there. Ness. I, I, I usually don't mind being embarrassed, but I was like, people are going to read this on Twitter. that This idiot locked himself in a cafeteria. How's that? That's going to make me look like the biggest fool in the world because how do you lock yourself in a cafeteria? It does not even seem possible. It's not in the realm of any possibility. No one's ever done it themselves in their life, yet I somehow managed to do it. I, uh, I, I did, I'll let, I want Breach to tell how he did it, but first, just from our angle, Breach disappears, and this is at like 10 o'clock in the office. We've been not, working, we've been working for like 12 hours at the office. Not sleeping the entire week, um, yeah. cause Ryan keeps, want, keeps on taking us out to bars and all yeah. this stuff. Well, fun, fun fact, you would, th- if, if you had to pick a super friend that you would think would drag us out to a bar, it's Don't obviously me, right? Or, or John. I think John, Before John, we're all flying out in the morning. Right, we're all flying out the morning. Ryan's like, we're going to Jester's, which is a smoke-friendly, like, dollar fifty Miller Lite, like, cr- like rundown dive bar. And, and when Brinson says smoke-friendly, we all got black lung just being in there for eight minutes. My, I, I put my clothes from that night in my bag, and I opened my bag when I got back. All my clothes smelled like beer, like an ashtray. So, anyways, we're in the office. It's like ten, ten thirty. It's late. No, not many people are in there, and it's just I'm standing around with Brinson and Ryan, and we're like, all right, we gotta go. It's midnight. Yeah, so it's late, and we're like, all right, we gotta go. And suddenly we're like, where's Breach? Because Breach had walked off and disappeared a few minutes ago. As and he does. We check our phone, and it's Breach sending in their group text. Guys, I locked myself in the cafeteria. Come let me out. So the cafeteria at CBS has you—you you have to use your badge, your ID badge, to get in and out to get in and out of it, which you know, makes total sense. You know, with security in the building, yada yada yada. However, on certain they—they they, they set it for a timer, and as Debo points out to me, it locks at 11 p.m. We had started podcasting at like 11:15 or something like that after Ryan and I got done doing the post. Um, we were doing HQ after the, uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was after the third. It was the pre- preseason, yeah. Yeah. It's Cause yeah, we're Cam Hurt's foot. And we're podcasting. We get done and we all get to pack up and Breach just disappeared and he locked himself in the cafeteria. And it was one of those, should we lock <laughs> him? Should we leave him? Should we just open the door and move on? What it was you- a quick decision though. Cause I remember we're getting there and I remember I was like, we got to take a selfie. And then you guys just jumped. I've never seen Ryan so happy to take a selfie. Oh, and it wasn't just. We have to take a selfie. It was breach. We're not letting you out unless you pose 
for this selfie because I was not going to pose for a selfie so they could have evidence of me being locked in a cafeteria. What were you going uh, to get in the cafeteria, John? So that was the other thing. <laughs> so we had had, I think, pizza and donuts there because we had the the telethon all day. So there was food, but it had run out quickly. And I was like, maybe there will be a slice of pizza left. What, because, ahead, Sean. because we were going to order sushi, and then when Brinson found out he had the spot dinner, he, he was like, no, we're not getting dinner. Breach and Sean, drive to Publix and get us some chips and some wine. So, so we I, had not eaten dinner. You know, we, uh, chips and wine were our dinner. So I wander off looking sure. for pizza, which, by the way, there was no pizza. I get in there. I wasn't even going to bring my cell phone. Thank God I did. Again, the cafeteria, I am hunting around for pizza. I'm even being the guy that looks in the refrigerator. I don't care if there's somebody's name tag on it. I was going to eat whatever. When we walked up, Breach is looking in the trash can. I was, <laughs> I'm a scavenger. I am a scavenger. Uh, yeah, so, I, so I'm looking around. I can't find anything. So now I'm just more upset because I'm so hungry. All I have in my body is like chips and wine, and they're like sour cream and onion chips. So my mouth tastes like sour cream and onion chips, which is not a great flavor. There were sea salt vinegar. Ah, oh, sea salt and vinegar. That's what it was. And uh, so I walk out. I think the door is just going to open. It doesn't. And I'm just like, okay. So there's another door. So I walk over to the other door. That doesn't open. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Did they lock me in? I actually thought that Wilson, Brinson, and Sean watched me walk into the cafeteria and that they locked me in there. So I was so mad. So I was like, do I even text them? Because if they locked me in, they're not going to let me out. That would just be dumb. So I'm not going to waste my time. I was going to go sit down at a table until they let me out. Like, haha, joke's over, guys. Joke's on you because I'm not going to get mad at this. So after about five minutes, I realized that maybe they weren't playing a joke on me and I should probably text them. the table and you're like, where, where are they? They're not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this isn't funny anymore. I don't want to sit in here all night because we were trying to leave. It was late. So I send them the text and then that's where they took off with the story. They come over to the door and refuse to let me out unless I pose for a selfie. Um, good, good selfie. Good times. That is, that is good times. All right, moving along. Kirk is better than Kirby. Hey, super friends. I'm a super fan. Can't wait for the podcast to drop every morning. All right. What else does Kirk Cousins have to show that he's good? And we've all had our doubts, but he just pulled off a comeback that no team has done in the last hundred games when trailing by 20 plus points. He put up good, good to great numbers, even that I'm feeling. Um, and he didn't mention this, but I would also point out he came back. He, he beat the, the Cowboys on Sunday night in Dallas. Uh, thanks to keep putting out awesome content. I recommend you guys to all my football friends. Jason 401 via Apple Podcasts. Jason, great review. Thank you. Uh, creative question. Um, I'll take this one as the resident Kirk Cousins, uh, fellow super fan. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what he has to do. I don't know. Um, I feel like he's checked all the boxes and yet I, I also feel like there is a lingering horde of Twitter skeptics and Cousins haters who are pawing at the dirt for week 13 when the Vikings go to the Seahawks. To play Russell Wilson, they're from the same draft class. Or, no, yes, yeah. from the same draft class, third and fourth round. Um, if you recall, yeah, of course they're from the same draft class because uh, Kirk Cousins actually beat Russell Wilson when he was at Michigan State on a crazy Hail Mary uh, when Russell was with Wisconsin. And um, I feel like people, if Russell plays really well in a big spot and leads his team to victory and Kirk poops his pants and throws a bunch of picks, people will flood out there to bury him. So I think we probably need a couple more primetime games to shed the label. I think it's a playoff win. And like, I don't know if that's fair to cousins because no, he wasn't going to do that in Washington. You know what I mean? Like 
like we've seen with since Cousins left the Redskins, Kirk was the least of the Redskins problems. Um, but because you signed that big of a contract that was made a big deal because of how it was all fully guaranteed, he has to win a playoff game. I, I agree with you, though, and I just did my quarterback power rankings um, for Thursday. I had him at number five, which people wow. on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, well, I had him at six after he beat the Cowboys, and then you lead a 20-point comeback against a top-10 defense. I mean, you have to move up. And that ranking bears out in the advanced metrics. Um, so he's fourth in D- DYAR, which va- which measures um, total value, and DVOA, which measures value per play. He's fifth. So the the staff like him a lot, but the hate against Cousins has always been narrative-based, and some of that might be justified because of his record against um, good teams and his record in primetime. And I think primetime performances inform a lot of public opinion because that's what most of the country watches. If you're not a Vikings fan, you're not watching every Vikings game. So he has to win a playoff game, and he has to get to the Vikings to the playoffs for for the narrative to completely go away. That's probably a... Uh... It's probably fair. Um, that, that is known as the Andy Dalton argument. Yeah, but I for was, a better quarterback though. I would say this, and I can't find articles about it. I'm looking for it right now. Um, it's, but I promise you, it's true. Not that many years ago. About, <laughs> I don't know, probably it's getting it, real specific. No, about 15 years ago, people thought that Aaron Rodgers couldn't win in the playoffs. Like that was a real narrative for a while. People thought that, and people Who thought said that. No, I remember this. It was, was it? he can't win the big one, and yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, I'm trying to think exact because remember he lost early on. He lost to that uh, Arizona team that made the Super Bowl that lost to the, Pittsburgh. The fumble, the, the like okay. great overtime game where he fumbles and he tries to kick it and it goes right into someone's hands. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. So he. Um, so Aaron Rodgers has been the starter for, let's see, he won his first playoff game in 2011. He won the Super Bowl then. Um, but he was. In season. Yeah. Yeah, but he was the, he was the starter for three years. Maybe you're talking about Matt Ryan. Well, people, Rod- I, I promise you people said it about Aaron Rodgers. Mm. No, I, I, cause Brinson's right. I mean, as a Bears fan, I remembered that this was a thing about Rodgers. Yeah, he, he was, only lost one playoff game before getting to the Super Bowl, though. That, that was the thing. They're like, he can't get to the playoffs. Kirk Cousins only lost one playoff game right now. That's not a freeze. It just nobody has an answer to it. <laughs> no, I, I just I don't I don't remember. I don't I don't remember that. Uh, no, I, I think part of the point that Prince is making is it was it was never fair to Rodgers because his first year as a starter they went below five hundred, but that was his first year. And then the second year he played awesome in that playoff game. And just lost in the shootout, but because he fumbled. Third year he played awesome in the playoff game. And then his first year they go six and ten. His second year they go eleven and five. And he plays awesome in that shootout to the Cardinals, and he fumbles in overtime. Oh, that was it. That was in two thousand ten. Right, 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 right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then, and then the following year that they win the Super Bowl, they enter as a wild card team, and they only get in because they beat the Bears in Week Seventeen. And the Bears actually played all their starters in that game. But at the time, it was like. They got to go in Atlanta. No one's like they're not going to beat the Falcons after they won their wild card game and all this. And then they had to go to Chicago. So it was like a narrative defining run on the road that he had to go on. Yes, and, and my, my point is sort of that like I think we, I think that we inherently seek out these narratives about these players, like film, like like in all sports. Like if you're not a cl- if you don't win a playoff game early, 
people or you don't want to major early in golf or you don't, you know, you don't get to the highest peak. People will start to doubt you. And then like with Aaron Rodgers too, like it was like, Oh, like he made, he met, it was like, Hey, he didn't make the playoffs. He's like, all right, he made the playoffs and then he lost, he lost in the first week. Like what's he going to do? And then, you know, oh, like it looks like he's not going to make the wild card again. And then he rips off those runs. And now we come back to the reverse narrative. It's like he can't, he can't win another Super Bowl. And so there's always, it's a constantly moving bar with these quarterbacks. And I think that Kirk Cousins, he does need to win. He does need to win a playoff game. That would help a lot. He hadn't had many chances. Um, but I think, I think a couple of good performances in primetime and a playoff win would get people off his back pretty quickly. And he's got the perfect schedule to make that happen since they play the Seahawks in primetime coming up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, great podcast from Annie Sophie123. Thank you, Annie Sophie. Who is the best non-American player? She's from Denmark. Lovely. Who is the best non-American player to have ever played in the NFL? Uh, kickers are easy. I mean, I can tell yeah. you that right now. That which that which would... is your favorite kicker? I have one, John. Uh, well, since our podcast listener is from Denmark, I'll go with Denmark and give it to Morton Anderson, Hall of Famer. Uh, our friend, Morton Anderson. Breach. Our fr- friend of the show, Morton Anderson. Well, no, just our friends. Remember, we met him outside his uh, Hall of Fame induction. We did, and his wife took a picture of me and him together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say Morton Anderson and Juan Stenerud, also another kicker who was in the Hall of Fame. He's from Norway. By the way, it's Jan, not Juan. I said Jan. Yeah. Debo will call you out on that when he winds it back. Juan Stenerud is from a different country. Um, <laughs> me. I that was going to be my pick, by the way. The answer is probably Bronco Nagurski from Canada. We're all looking at the same list, Brinson. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a four-time All-Pro. So is John Sinarud. Who? <laughs> Norway's very own John Sinarud. Kicker back in the day. I, I knew who he was. What do you guys think about most the best active international player? I think yeah. it's pretty who, obvious. Who's on that list? Daniel Hunter, I feel like. Oh, where's he from? Is he Canadian? Jamaica, according to Wikipedia. Oh, okay. I like the OCU Manure on that list. Graham Gano. I didn't know he was foreign. Is he Canadian? He is not Canadian. Keel Harry's foreign? Yeah, I know. He's foreign in Scotland. No, that doesn't count. He's not. Oh, that counts? Wait, what? Wait, wait. A player was born in Scotland and Ryan doesn't think that counts? (laughs) No, no. I don't think he... I think he probably grew up here. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how if he's American, if he's dual citizenship. That's what I'm asking, Sean. But thank you. Well, you, you said he said that doesn't count. So sorry for say, misinterpreting what you said. Okay, stop talking. What'd you say, Brinson? I would say that. Uh, uh, oh, Kelvin Harmon. I didn't realize he was from Liberia. See, that's one of those things I wonder. Is he dual citizenship? Is he a U.S. citizen whose parents came over? That's what I'm asking. No, it says nationality on Wikipedia. Liberia. This is like when Ryan brought up the taxes right away. He wants to get the serious questions here. I'm just curious. Star with two way way. Daniel Hunter's a good good one. I also think you Marcus Hunt is like a legit foreign dude that plays really well um uh on his on his second run through with the Colts and sort of developed into a last year he was a very good player for the Colts. Uh, Christian Okoye too, the Nigerian nightmare. That's a good one. He was good in Tecmo, I believe. I didn't play it, but that's what people used to say. You didn't play Tecmo Bowl? Not a lot. I wasn't a big um, – while you were playing video games, I was out. Marcus had five sacks last season as a 31-year-old, like Estonian 
defensive tackle for the Colts, Ryan. That's a great season. Eight AV, six QB hits, 13 tackles for loss. Stony in the house, okay. See, Heinz Ward's on here. Heinz Ward is an American. His mom is from Korea. Where was he born? He was born in the U.S. Then he should not be on the list. Then he That's doesn't count. That's the point I was trying to make before you yelled at me, Sean. No, Breach said he was born in Scotland. You're like, well, I don't know if that counts. It's weird, Ryan, because on on Wikipedia, it definitely says born in Seoul to uh to occur. Where? Where? Seoul, Chris Ellis. Oh, Jeez. I was it was called him an Asian-born player. I was, I was going to get offended there, man. Uh, Jeff Breach went to dunk on me. I mean, Brent went to dunk on me. He actually missed the whole gym. He's on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Sean's favorite foreign-born player is? I can't believe you haven't mentioned him, Sean. Giorgio. Uh, Giorgio Tavecchio. Why is that Sean's favorite kicker? Cal? Cal. Yeah. Okay. Good question. You can tell that we all researched that heavily before we answered. <laughs> We're not all just looking at the same Wikipedia. So, John, <laughs> your dad is American. Your mom was from Mexico? Yes. But her, her, her grand, her parents, not, my mom's from the United States. I'm second generation, maybe third. She's like Graham Gano, basically, is what you're saying. No, Graham Gano was born in Scotland. Second generation. Whoa, 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 what? You're claiming Scotland? I mean, like, I'm from Scotland. That's, no, Graham Gano, Graham Gano was born in Scotland, in the country of Scotland, so he qualifies as Uh, not. Ryan, Ryan's not sure if that counts. I'm skeptical. Well, just asking. He's just putting the question out there. Just putting it out there. Not trying to make waves. I mean, just, was born just asking a question, man. Is the earth flat, you know? <laughs> There's a big just dome asking. over the earth. Everyone knows that. Okay, uh, last one. Mailbag question for the steamboat. Now, we haven't called you steamboat forever. Uh, we have to, I, was, I was actually thinking about that recently. Thank <laughs> goodness. Like that guy was at a bar telling some girl, you know what my nickname is, right? Steamboat. She didn't like it, and that's when I was like, we got to retire it. <laughs> I'm out. Man, I tell you what, these uh, our little bits sure do have like high peaks, and they disappear quick. Like they <laughs> they are gone. Like it's like Steve's like we're like printing steamboat shirts. Like ah, you know, I think we're done with steamboat. <laughs> I don't even know how that came up. I don't. It, mean, it makes no sense. It makes uh, a lot of sense. This is from CSL03. Uh, for also from Great Britain. Wow, I love. Thank you to the. Does he know Graham Gano? <laughs> Has he ever been to Seoul? That, <laughs> that was painful. If my mom's listening, I would like to apologize to my mom. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's like twelve thirty in the morning. I apologize too. I like I like read it. I I knew what I was supposed to say and couldn't say it. <laughs> I was so I know, you went into a little, you went into a little whimper when you started to say it because you knew. Oh, the like, ball was halfway down the down the rim, and then you said seal, and then the, it's soul. I mean, end up outside the gymnasium. I know it's soul. I don't know what happened. Um, which I mean, I don't. Which Blink One Eighty Two lyric epitomizes your life most accurately, and which one epitomizes Brinson? So I found the Brinson part of this question a lot more fun. Okay. Um, can I ask so, a question first? Never listened yeah. to Blink One Eighty Two. What'd you say? I've never listened to Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, that's my question, uh, Sean. Did you listen to Blink One Eighty Two? Yeah, they were a big like gateway band for me. Um, so like, especially on the podcast where Sean was like, or in Slack where Sean was like, there yeah, were you put a Twitter poll on it. It was like fifty fifty. Where it's like fifty one forty nine. That was the band. Okay. Yeah, they. I would not call them one of my five favorite bands now, but there was a time through middle school, through halfway of high school, they were my favorite band of all time, and I was like. Brand new levels of obsessed with them. Um, 
So this was more fun to do for Brenton because they have a lot of juvenile lyrics. Um, <laughs> so the two I thought of, one is the most obvious one, which is my friends say I should act my age. What's my age again? Um, from their hit, What's My Age Again? And the other one for Brenton I thought of was I traced the cord back to the wall. No wonder it was never plugged in at all. Mm. Yeah, it I had feels, to look them up. I'll be look honest. I'll be honest. That last one feels more appropriate for Ryan as like the grandfather of the group. Like I think like the first one. Like the, only the one... modem not working. <laughs> oh please, you know that's not me. But I do know Blink One Eighty Two just for the "What's My Age Again" song. You know that song, right, Brenton? Yeah, you must. You know. I, I, I know. Yeah, I've, I've you could play. It. I mean, they're so popular that you could you could play ten songs and he would know ten of them. Yeah, Here's I was thinking about what's like this. I've never owned a Blink One Eighty Two album. No one has, but Sean. No, I think they've sold. A, we we looked it up. I was surprised at how many albums they've sold. I don't dislike them, but I, that "What's My Age Again" song. The funny thing about that is, this is how old how old I am. When it came out, it reminds me of that. Sean has the what Smart is that? Opposite's autograph. Of course, I don't know who that is. That could it's be basis. That could be Graham Cano's autograph for all I know. But the "What's My Age Again" song when it came out, I actually <laughs> lived in Los Angeles for the summer, and that that reminds me of living in L.A. for that summer. Uh, I don't know any, any of the other Blink-182 songs, but I like that song, and it brings back good memories of 1999 when Sean was five or six. Seven. Yowzers. Did you did you Google lyrics for Brinson? Or am I the only one? Yeah. I Googled no, no, one I for did. Sean. At the band's commercial peak, albums such as Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and Enema. Oh, I can't believe you said that on the air. <laughs> Say it again, Brinson. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can we, Devo can we cut that Who is hosting the podcast the after Brinson gets let go It's <laughs> the name of the album I'm quoting the name of the album I don't. I, I've never read that album By the way I think this lyric Enema of the state too You know what Enema is I remember that one yeah. Sold over 14 and 15 million copies worldwide respectively That means 14 million people Bought an album called Take Off Your Pants and Jacket for the record, By the way, I think this lyric uh, applies to you, Brenton. If at first you don't succeed, pay someone to do it. Oh yeah, I'll get behind that. Sean, what was your what was the Blink One Eighty Two lyric that encompassed your life? So the problem is that the album that I actually still like a lot, which is their self titled album, which came after "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket," uh, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. You're laughing. What's um, your- that album, I actually still think is really good. Like, I would put that in my top ten albums of all time. That one has aged remarkably well, and it's a lot more mature. The problem is that when you – I was going through and listening today, like, it's a lot of depressing lyrics, and, like, my life is just not depressing enough for any of those to work. So for my lyric for my life, I went with a classic from their first ever hit in the 90s, Damn It. And the lyric is, well, I guess this is growing up. Okay. Uh, I would go with Life is Too Short to Last Long. You know what we're not going to do on this podcast? We're not going to last long. We're going to get out of here in under an hour. Everyone's going to get good night's sleep. Bang up. This has become cumbersome, by the way. Seven Mary Three, Derek. So, yes, I know. Brian's been joking about Seven Mary Three with me on the podcast for 10 years. We've been doing it for another 30 years, I heard, Brian. Take off your pants and jacket, buddy. Lord uh, All right. Uh. Get out of here. Super Friends edition. Make sure and check out the Picks podcast. You can find that in the stream. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll answer any and all questions at some point throughout the season. Talk to you guys on Monday. On May 23rd. 
I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.